beep. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another um, episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. This will be episode five. Um, I'm here with Mark again. Uh, we've been very slack getting episodes out. We plan to do it every uh, other week, but it just never seems to happen. We end up going shooting or hunting or our real life gets in the way. Um, anyway, how are you, Mark? Not too bad. It's not like we haven't seen each other frequently, Graham. <laughs> frequently, so yeah. Our excuses are pretty feeble so yeah, anyway. we're normally up in the uh, up in the back of the farm though mucking around aren't we yeah it's, just, it's not as if we've got all the audio gear with us no um, but yeah anyway we'll, we'll, as we always promise we'll try to do these uh, on a more regular um, schedule but yeah who knows we haven't uh, stuck to that promise so far right. what have you been up to in firearms <laughs> a lot um, as as always, um, we've had a few competitions that we'll touch on briefly. Um, some results <laughs> better than others. Um, playing with a lot of new gear, um, some new optics, uh, a few new rifles, some new chassis. Um, yeah, heap, heap coming out there that'll have full reviews. And um, But we've also just recently been playing with some uh, Fast Twist 223, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, early days on that, but we're going to try and push that all the way out to the mile. Um yeah, and then it's just yeah, competition work really. Um, getting guns set up for competitions, changing my mind on what I'm going to run in the next competition, uh, getting upset with my setups due to my own performance, uh, normal stuff. What about you, Mark? No, pretty similar. Uh, just uh, been through a couple of competitions, the good and the bad. So, uh, <laughs> and the ugly. And the ugly. <laughs> Very ugly, uh, previous one. But um, also, yeah getting interested in 223 again after shooting the other day doing some yep. longer range stuff so that'll be interesting to talk about at the end mm-hmm. um, but no we'll get into it and we'll talk, uh, basically talk about way back the last event we were at which was uh, Tarata Tarata so the, the GPRE um, Tarata practical field match that was a couple months ago now back in yeah. oh, mid-November not too long ago so if you go through what basically the to set up for that competition is uh, so it's a this was for the first time it's a two day event so yeah uh, you could um, now you can't if you competed on both days your score on the second day did not count so you essentially got to shoot another class or the same one but you'd have an advantage having seen the course of fire yeah uh, worked it all out so anyway and I, saw, um, I did see that as a clear thing because I think uh, someone only shot on the first day got 40 points more on the second day I think I got like 60 points more yeah, than Yeah, so and it had three classes, a hunter class, which uh, is sub 10 pound rifles. We're actually going to talk about hunter class yep. um, in more in depth soon. And then we had practical, which was um, any rifle scope combo, any uh, sort of weight, doesn't matter, um, small rear bag, so smaller than 150 um, millimetres, and then sling and that's it and then we had the open class which shot the same course of fire as the practical but you had as many bags um fancy modern sort of um, game changer bags tripods so as many accessories as you wanted to try to give you the advantage on some of the obstacle obstacles um so we both shot practical on the saturday yeah um now i had some silly mistakes but you on the other hand were incredibly consistent weren't you yeah, and as I previously said, practice is cheating, but um, <laughs> obviously it's not, because I guess in the end I was just really comfortable with the setup. Um, yeah. 
first time I've used the Tika T3X Tac A1 in competition really I think uh, and just the setup I changed the scope mounts and everything around that's about the only thing I've done to that since I'd sort of last really used it in a, in a big capacity so so it's a 6.5 Creedmoor I was running um, American Gunner ammo so which is Hornady hollow point boat tail so, yeah pretty consistent not very fast but um, okay. just shooting well and yeah so I had a one of those days where you didn't really miss much so <laughs> in fact you, you went from second to first that's how good you did <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember you distinctly you being shocked that I was second but then um, I think someone <laughs> didn't calculate the score right so I vaulted into first overnight you, you, you got upgraded Simon has always told us he will take bribes yeah, yeah, and then I just had to worry about anyone on the second day and hope, <laughs> and hope conditions were worse because I yeah. guess people have raised to well, what if conditions are different, which they will yeah. be. But that's just the luck of the draw and anything, isn't it, really? So Yeah, and, and to be honest, we were lucky in the fact that conditions were roughly the same, if not a little bit worse on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, or I shouldn't say we're lucky. Um, but again, uh, no one even come close to matching your score. And you beat some of the top shooters in New Zealand, so... Um, congratulations on that. Me, on the other hand, I ended up sixth equal on day one. I ended up getting bumped back to yeah. maybe ninth or tenth via the Sunday. So I had a <clears throat> disappointing day. Just some dumb, um, I guess you'd call them mindset problems. Not not having my admin squared away and um, <clears throat> dying the wrong dope, using the wrong dope altogether. Um, on the first two stages just really put me on the back foot and then just not shooting as well as others um, would be my, my worst thing I guess no, um, which leads, <laughs> leads us to your next mind problem which is discarding your new rifle setup. <laughs> so um, I was planning on shooting hunter class on the Sunday so Mark was volunteering to run the moving target all day on Sunday very graciously of him I believe he even ran it a little bit slower for me to give me some pity but anyway so I was going to shoot hunter uh, but after my sort of what I consider an average performance on Saturday, I went home, pulled my Bagara out of the safe, um, put a new scope on it, zeroed it in, uh, you supplied me some ammo, um, and I shot the open class on the Sunday. So that allowed me to use the tripod, a um, couple extra bags, and, and the like, um, and drastically improved my results, um, which is... Res- I've always shot well with my Bagara 65 Creedmoor, so in the meantime, I'm going back to that to finish out this um, competition season anyway, and then um, I might pursue the 6mm a bit more, but uh, it gave me a lot more confidence shooting. Um, but partially that could have just been not making those silly mistakes when it came to um, dialing my rifle and um, and that kind of thing. But, but confidence, I think confidence is important for, for how you get on, and um, I ended up... Uh, my score, albeit it didn't count, was quite good. Um, not winning, but pretty close to it. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, but it, it was good for my after Saturday coming back and doing well. Um, definitely, it, w- it was good. Um, uh, yeah, just reinforce your problem with discarding your new rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I want to buy a six millimeter. <laughs> um, no, it's, it wasn't the six mil. Um, it was it was me. Um, so, albeit I think don't beat yourself up. 
No, I'm not going to. I'm, I, ha- I had a bad day to go with all my other bad days, I guess. Yeah, but um, only, I, I only made it worse that me, the novice farmer, did beat the <laughs> so. No, no, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be beat by you. That's for sure. Uh, um, no. I mean, even our, our, our friend Carl, he was in the same squad as us. He started the day on fire, and um, but once that wind picked up, yeah, um, his three oh eight just turned to custard big time, and in, in the wind. Um, so no, and that's where I could see. I mean, I just. You know, that's why I said I should probably retire because I don't think I'll do that again. So, uh, well, so, so moving on from that, yeah, we shot another event a fortnight later, Tokara. And now we were, we were full of confidence. We walked in there like kings. So, so the, the event, the special what it is? Oh, sorry, it's the uh, again Gillis Practical Rifle Events Practical Twenty Two. Yes, and Tokara. Now, we had a practice session the evening before up at your uh, your place. Uh, we were yep. we were on fire. We were shooting good. Guns were working a treat. Mm-hmm. Dope was good in the wind even. So we were we're thinking here we go. We got this. We're shooting the practical class, uh, open class. Sorry, um, and we did not do well. <laughs> I know. The day before, Graham, you got in contact and said you should be in the open class. So I was like, great. And then I ended up not even in the same squad. So I thought this is a setup. You wanted <laughs> me involved so I could end up lower on the table. Which, funnily enough, I did get seventh, which was yeah, so last in that class. So we got uh, last and second to last. Um, mainly so due, sorry, mainly due yes, now you, yes. to <clears throat> having my writing <clears throat> end up being basically a single shot by halfway through the day, so it wouldn't extract. So yeah, and then I had a. A harsh lesson in actually cleaning <laughs> rifles properly after using 1022s for years which basically keep chewing through ammo without needing a clean at all so it was uh yeah i brought the rifle home gave it a good clean and voila perfect it worked perfectly <laughs> yeah, so I had a similar issue due to a lack of um, maintenance. Um, my suppressor, it turns out, I've got one of the small DPT, um, it's the one for the Magnum, so it's five baffle. Uh, I had uh, what I would consider a dessert spoon full of lead in there, and some of that had broken away and come loose, so there was a large flake of lead about, ooh, like a 50 cent piece jumping around. Um, I was missing targets at 100 metres, um, like easy targets, and I couldn't figure out why until I got home and realised I had all this shit bouncing around in there all built up. And uh, again, <clears throat> took it back out of the range to the range afterwards, and it shot uh, after the clean shot bang on. So, yeah, poor maintenance uh, definitely cost me a lot of places in that event um, for both of us, didn't it? Um, lesson learned, I guess. Yeah. I actually talked to, to Ian from Hardy, Hardy Rifle Engineering about it and he was saying about, about 1,500 rounds with a rimfire, you want to um, pull them apart and scrub all that shit out. Um, yeah, I should have known better, really. No, I forget how um, dirty they run, really. And yeah, I've used suppressors over the years, and, but they've been ones you can't disassemble, so you can really never know mm. what's happening inside to a great degree so you know it's a hidden problem to a degree <laughs> and the dpt ones because they're basically you can pull them apart yeah um you can see the magnitude of your problem straight away so but no i mean other than that just 
confidence on the day goes downhill and that's what we were saying before if you don't start out well um, it ends up being almost a, a cascading problem as you go along through the day yeah definitely like I could have uh, I didn't even think of it till we're driving home you know I could have just taken my suppressor off or something but but hey that's um that's life live and learn hopefully uh, there's two of them next year um, problem so solved run without a suppressor there you go <laughs> well hopefully we'll have, yeah, problem solved we'll try to hit the targets next time and I mean it was an incredibly windy day but my wind calls were fine um, it was ish it was just that inconsistency on point of impact was um, yeah so far. like trying to hit like a 4 inch square at 100 metres I just couldn't hit it no matter what I did with 20 shots um, no and that's uh, one area that I focused on because I think last the first time I did it I mean not twice I think but um, was shooting that range I just had really no idea where I was going in the wind so doing that back at home practicing the longer range stuff you know got me some way better at initially getting the wind sorted out yeah but I had I've actually been using one of the small kestrel units um, yeah. for wind yeah it's actually quite fantastic it's just it just does atmospherics it doesn't do dope um, I still run my dope through Straylock but yeah it's um fantastic actually um, for just I used to guess a lot or use sort of budget cheap wind readers um, but this this one's been lent to me from Kerry from Precision Shooter and it's actually yeah it's it's taken my shooting up to the next level for actually first round impacts at distance and, and the like even with 22 or Cinefire yeah um, well when we were shooting we'll talk about it later but the 223 at the K the other day uh, the wind was perfect, wasn't it? It was just a slight elevation on the first shot, and then it was just yeah, hit. we couldn't miss really. So, I guess um, the wind, wind uh, as a as a purchase is the thing. I I guess when you first get a rangefinder and go, wow, I didn't realise that was that far or that far. You know, all these yeah. familiar places you shoot. The same with the wind thing. When I was looking at it, Tarada, someone had one there, and I was looking at it quite a lot, and I didn't realise how poorly my estimation of what the wind speed was I think I'll just go with whatever the default is five miles yeah. per hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or just hold off off the left edge or a little bit more or, yeah um, yeah and so that, that def- and that showed at Tarata too uh, with my wind calls being good both days um, yeah I think anyway uh, so yeah but anyway enough about wind so how much Kestrels is a cheaper one I mean I'm just uh, oh I think these I've got the small yellow model I'm not sure if it's a ex- exact model designation no. but it's, I think they're around 300 dollars oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> you can go up and up and up the ballistic the, ones are yeah 750 up to I think yeah 1200 bucks that some of them come with you get the ones with Hornaday in them Hornaday Ford off yeah or you can get the ones with applied ballistics yeah um, so instead of running your uh I'm fine it's all through your kestrel and then it will um I think some of them your rangefinder even talks to them maybe I could have that wrong not my area of expertise but pretty cool um maybe I need to get in a, a flat flash a flash or one to have a look one day but we'll get there um yeah but so yeah a couple of cool comps anyway um and some okay results some very good results and some okay results and then some very bad results yeah um yeah, <laughs> but I mean, hey, we've got a few more comps coming up to uh, no. um, what, hopefully redeem ourselves. No 22 for uh, six months or so, but... Yeah, so um, what sort of 22s did we see at Tokoroa? It's quite a, a variety change, um, I think, from the last time I was there. But I think everything's getting flasher yeah. in these competitions, which is where there's going to be a topic later on in the podcast. But right, we'll uh, there's, a, there's a, one of the new Bagara... Um, 
their um, Remington 700 footprint 22s in a um, what's it called? A B14 masterpiece arm. Yeah, B1422. I'm not sure the exact uh, model. B14R maybe. Anyway, but it was in a masterpiece arms chassis, which is just like the coolest. But, um, you know, it's getting to that point now yeah, where guys are going Tikas and full ACCs or X, um, XRS chassis from MDT or uh, a lot of them are moving. It's just like the, the, the Cinefy game. People are putting together purpose-built rigs to shoot these competitions rather than taking their old rabbit hunting 22. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was some pretty cool stuff. A lot, a lot more. T- your tikas seem to be very popular. Um, Kitted out tikas. The new t- the T1X, which is on a couple of years old now. CZ 457s, a few of them, some 455s. Um, and yeah, same thing. Most In the open class, most guys are running um, pretty trick setups now. And um, even in Hunter, some of the Hunters guys are running Flash, uh, like Volkorts Vol- and uh, Ruby 1022s and. Um, kids and all sorts of stuff like that so alright well let's probably segue that into the, the death of Hunter class as a topic <laughs> we had to discuss yes so I've been an interesting trend so as I mentioned um, the I think I, I can't speak for Simon but when I first started shooting um, GPRE events which is what got me into long range shooting um, I got invited along for the friend it was quite common to see rifles with wooden stocks or, or a lot just tikas, you know, or um, Brownings, just your basic hunting guns. Uh, some guys had dialing scopes. A lot of them had um, sort of uh, whatever dialing scope on it. Definitely not as flashes now. Um, but in the last, say, half a dozen years, um, you've seen less and less sort of factory hunting rifles and more and more purpose-built precision rifles for practical field shooting so uh, I mean you can't you can't sh- shake a stick without hitting an MDT chassis at um, at Tirada no or you know night force optics and um, Carlos and guys are running some real nice kit um, sort of emulating what you see in the states with their, with their precision rifle series um, but there is the hunter class right so this is the idea hunter class um, is for newer shooters guys who are hunters but want to use the as a way to practice um, or sort of feel their way into whether they want to shoot competitive long range uh, in the practical field sense um, the issue we're having and from talking to Simon a little bit GPRE is having is uh, we're just not getting the entries into the hunter class now. So, so Mark and I's competition in February uh, was sold out straight away. But I think, I think the first day we've got maybe four or five um, hunter class competitors, and then six or seven on the Sunday. So, um, it just seems that that hunter class is fading away, and not because I don't think I think a heap of the competitors would still be more suited to it. It's because they're building these these um, purpose-built practical field shooting rifles rather than hunting rifles, and, and they want to come along. They've, they've spent five grand or ten grand or fifteen grand, and they want to use it. They want to shoot five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand. And um, we even had a case at the Winterfield shoot, didn't we? When uh, a relation of yours swapped classes from hunter to open yeah. just because the other people were shooting it and they struggled and missed a lot so um, 
it's an issue what, what do you think about the whole situation Matt? yeah i see a few things coming along here and that's one is the the growth in the popularity of longer range shooting and just therefore the amount of equipment the content that's on youtube and places like that the interest in it um and i guess i see a core of people consistently coming back to these events so Mm -hmm. the hunter class was partially designed around a novice or beginner to a degree you know so just turn up with your your normal rifle that you use every every week hunting or whatever or pest control so um so there's a couple of things there i think just the interest and also the affordability i think you don't necessarily need a big budget either um no but you know one, one thing that is happening there is the amount of gear seems to keep going up a bit that you do need so that's why i think things like having the practical class which is limit limiting extra gear actually makes it a bit more um a level playing field a and b you know you're not eventually having to fork out for massive tripods and things so yeah um but it'll be interesting it, it yeah whether we do end up running totally separate events i think because there's no doubt all these shooters have got generally a hunting rifle or two that they'd be happy to shoot but yeah, or 15 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah in some cases um <laughs> so yeah it i you know i just look at the prevalence of scopes now you're seeing a lot of them coming out as a rough default having a either a, a reticle that's more suited to to long range shooting um and people aren't even bother, are basically bypassing your traditional duplex scopes yeah almost so you know so it's turning and then once you do that you think well why not just buy a rifle that can do both to a degree and that's starting to become a thing as well so you've got obviously the hardy hybrid which is a domestically manufactured rifle then the Sarko S20 has come out in the last 12 months yep. which yep. can do both to a degree um, and a few other companies SIG although it's been recalled but um, the SIG Cross is designed to be a sort of a crossover so and then you've got some pretty lightweight precision rifles in the market as well things like the Christians and Arms NPRs things like that which you know you end up with a rifle that isn't overly heavy that you could use double duty as well so yeah. mm. and I myself I'm looking as an example in case in point I'm probably getting another 223 to replace my other one um, at some point and I'm leaning towards something that is either roughly a precision setup straight away anyway so yeah um, so you're suddenly going well do I really want standard hunting rifle when in an in, in 2d3 because it's light recoil it doesn't really matter like you can have a quite a light one um and not have a problem so yeah and that, that's that's another part of it so i mean obviously event size is limited in terms of capability of what you can handle so that it's probably creating a bottleneck for new shooters yeah. Um, oh, definitely. That's been a problem since before we started doing stuff. Yeah. It, so. so yeah, we sell out immediately, fifty places for a shoot. So, and 
you know, the people that are getting in first are the ones who are returning from many different shoots that they've been to yeah. before. I mean, so we, we opened up Sunday as a repeat, yeah. and that's still sold out. Um, we were all sold. Yeah, so Saturday sold out, and literally I, at 7 o'clock when it opened, I had more than 50 messages. Yeah. Uh, and then Sunday, by the sort of next morning, was all sold out too. So, um, you know, that's 100 spots. Sorry, no, it's not 100. I did slightly less on Sunday yeah. just to make Sunday run faster. But So it's like 90 spots. Um yeah, I, although there is a few, I think there's a few new names on the Sunday. But um, it, to be honest, more you like I mentioned earlier, more hunter spots on the Sunday, which is good. The other thing uh, I did think of was actually running a beginner's shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, so pur- purposely getting people along who you know haven't done a lot before. So yeah. to try and make it a bit less of a um, you know environment where you get a bit overwhelmed by the whole thing or whatever it may be yeah that, that'd probably be a good one to do um uh the the where we use the second range we set up yeah up on all the on all the knobs we could even leave it up and shoot it the next weekend again or something um correct yeah wouldn't be the end of the world just put the targets back up that get knocked over by the cows yeah. that's something we could think about um and, and get people that are coming to the competition to you know to not or to recommend or get people to into it who are, who are interested in doing it and maybe yeah you could even even run it cheaper too yep as long as they're a new shooter we haven't had them on the list before lower the round count and yep um, probably have a bit of a an actual brief of how stage works before you even start sort of thing yeah so, well you know a it, physical run through there was an idea that Simon brought up because obviously for those who don't know Simon runs Gillis practical rifle events he's involved in the events we do yep. in, a, in, a, in a huge way he's talked of whether it happens is on the Saturday running a escorting a squad of newer shooters okay so at the same time yeah um, on the Saturday and sort of obviously that would be a little bit more lenient on their times and the such because yeah. um, they'd be new but you'd also have one of the best shooters in New Zealand potentially with a piece of alcohol whacking them on the hands <laughs> keep your feet flat <laughs> um, but yeah you know like uh, as a new shooter um God, it'd be fantastic advice, but that's just possibly. Um, I'm not giving it to any of you bloody Taranga boys, that's for sure. But um, yeah. that could be cool. But um, one thing, again, we get back to the, the problem of people not entering hunter class is because they want to shoot more rounds and etc. So, so Simon does his pre-raw shoot um, in March. We shot it. Uh, it was the weekend before we all got locked down for the uh, yeah um, for the coof. So. Only small event, only I think it's about 15 of us, um, but a, a very, very good event, um, hunting rifles only, um, you know, and also in the spirit of hunting rifles, so if you just built like a $20,000 carbon fiber gun that weighed in under 10 pounds, you know, it's still, still got to be kind of hunting, but anyway, uh, I think you have to be only 400 metres, 350, 400, uh, majority inside, say, 1 to 300. Yeah. Um, it was excellent only six stages nice quick day um, it was really good fun so I very briefly talked about it with Simon that he maybe that's where uh, the hunter class maybe goes extinct at the practical field shooting events and then there is um, one maybe so there's the hunter hunter event in, in March for uh, the pre-raw and then maybe another one where 
So essentially the hunter class goes and then it, it starts its own separate couple competitions. So everyone has to run a hunting game. Um, and then maybe you could do two classes. One of them's got um, uh, scopes that can dial and the other one's got BDCs and duplexes or something. And just separate it that way. Um, yeah. yeah, that is a good point. Um, the scope thing, yeah. That's... Yeah, avoiding the need to have a scope that necessarily dials would be good. I mean, it's a lot of them don't dial, so... Um, but then, yeah, that's becoming a bit lesser, though, as well. Mm, I mean, like, most of my hunting guns I set up with a dial. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, like, you know, you, you, like your VX5 is a super popular um, hunting scope in New Zealand, the 3 to, 3 to 15. Yeah. Um, I've got that little Zeiss HD5. Uh, is it a 3 to 15 by... 42 that's excellent scope um and it is a hunting scope um so i think you've still got to allow them in there somehow because i think dialing is becoming a part of modern hunting to a certain degree now that we're hunting to longer ranges than we ever used to with more accurate firearms yeah 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 i don't know it's just trying to avoid an arms race so people can actually come along with whatever they've got so well, that's, that's as I mentioned earlier about the carbon fibre thing. I can see some people just going, all right, cool, I'm going to buy a proof full carbon fibre gun. Yeah. Uh, or something along those lines, you know, and so... No, which is why I like Simon's uh, basically saying, you know, I'll have, if I decide it's, you, you know, trying to pull the wool over my eyes in terms of being a hunting setup. Yeah. Um, really. You could maybe even go five-round magazines. You can run detachable, but... Um, only fives rather than tens because uh, unless we're specifically goat culling we're generally not running ten round mags oh that's Um, if you have a bit lower round count and also stage designers around five rounds would would sort of help that yeah yeah yeah. it's something I think we can look into anyway because I know I'd be keen for another uh, hunter style event and even a bigger one um, that is a a full day um, but it's maybe you could introduce the um, ranging your own targets in your time limit um, so instead of you know you've got a similar time but instead of just blasting away rounds you've actually got to range the targets and build your dope inside that time or, or something um, you run into other issues of people then listening to distances well see that's the thing as soon as the first person's done it Yes, so you'd have to you'd have to select your uh, venue well that the uh, rest of the squad couldn't watch. But they're just someone, ideas anyway. You could have someone out there running around shifting the target. <laughs> I know that wouldn't work. No. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, anyway, I, I think it. Um, yeah, I think something will change with hunter classes possibly. Um, just because it ends up being like if. It's essentially a, nearly a second shoot gets set up, yeah. target-wise, stage. Um, these similar s- positions, but rules. And then if you only have, say, over out of 100 shooters, 10 shoot it, or 50 shooters, 5 shoot it, yeah. is, it, is the effort and, and setup and admin and, and the like worth the um, the shooter turnout? But then, then the offside of that is, is it... Is it you know worth losing those new shooters who potentially would come into the hunter class and then over time move up to the open or the practical? Um, it would negate having two sets of rules on one page. That'd yes, be good. especially for you, Graham, if you want to cover off the running stage with us. Oh, I thought we'd avoided that. <laughs> I thought we'd managed to slip past oh, that's just one. A cautionary tale, Graham. 
Okay. Don't worry, okay. guys. I've got this. I've I'm going to break it. I'm going to. I'm going to break it down for you. Yeah. Once <laughs> those of you have shot um, GPRE or, or um, Taranaki long range events, for that matter, um, will have run in, run into pun attended a, a running stage. One of Simon's running stages. Um, we had a really good one at the winter shoot. Uh, it was a great one at Tarada. So, and, and it's believe it or not a stage I always do well on. I always I don't quite max it, but I'll always hit nearly everything. Come away with good points. So, the morning of Tokoroa, Simon said to me, "It's the easiest running stage we've ever set." Anyway, I get over there, sort of glance at the rules, don't pay any attention. And I think, oh, yep. So you got to shoot and run. Right, and there's one, two, three, four, four to five targets. I can't remember in a row. And I thought, if I thought you had to run between each one and then um, hit it again and then run again, ready, ready, run. Oh, yeah, all right, sweet. So I start the stage, shoot, hit the first target, run back, come back again, shoot again, hit. And I did this five, four to five times, and everyone's looking at me weird. Malcolm Gillis is there, Simon's father, who's one of the ROs. And, I, and I'm so I ran pretty good, and I only come away with like five hits. And I'm thinking, what the what the frick? How am I supposed to hit all these flipping targets? And then and then my squad's going, no, you did it wrong. You got to shoot um, each target twice and then run. And oh, okay, okay, I fucked it up. Whatever. Then Malcolm gives me the rarest thing ever. He gives me a reshoot. No one gets reshoots from the Gillises. I get a reshoot. Must be a bit of favoritism, you know. Lend them the odd target and such. Sympathy. <laughs> sympathy right he said listen if you got your breath back at the end of your other, the other rest of the squad's sh- shooting you can do it again okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do this properly so I'm thinking yeah I've gotta run I gotta shoot um, hit target twice then run so I do anyway so at this point Simon comes back over everyone's watching me and I proceed to shoot it incorrectly again ended up running another four times I then learn I look at my paper because Malcolm's shaking his head and it was you meant to start the stage standing run back touch the marker then shoot then shoot one two three four five targets then run back touch the marker shoot one two three four five targets so for a total of two runs and what would be an easy uh, stage I'd run nine times all up for no points <laughs> next, next to no points and uh, just a just a really dumb dumb mistake that just compounded my uh, already poor score Um, I think yeah um, I could taste my lungs after that to be honest after all that running which leads into my my next point which is around um, squad management at these events I due to volunteering at uh, Tarata on the moving stage the runner well no mover mover um, down the hill the target that basically moves down the hill I got mm-hmm. to see a lot of squads coming through in the day and uh, it, it reinforced to me how these mistakes happen as people a squad turns up and half of them are looking at the where the targets are or reading the rules the other someone else is sitting there gazing off into the distance so you know you just got to it's important to reinforce some of the stuff to, to squads around managing themselves you know I saw some pretty frustrated people throughout the day who were you know going who was spotting and who's you know is anyone you know seem to mm-hmm. keep having to push these squads along to to fill some of those roles so which made me think about it a fair bit you know that um, often when I've been in, you know with squads off some people are good at spotting and others are good at whatever so I tend to like to see that 
gravitate towards consistency you know so someone yeah. will generally do a bit more of the spotting because they you know they're good at calling sort of thing and consistent but um yeah but some other squads they were sort of just a walking shambles through the day sort of thing um and that's where you get into the you know you read the rules and then someone goes oh, five minutes out they go what's what's the rules oh because they weren't, yeah. weren't even listening so but yeah and mistakes happen and that's where you end up you see various people not even knowing what to start properly even after doing you know they've been through about five stages already so and still not following some of the basic rules yeah yeah you also run into the issue of um slowing the day down as well with slow squads oh greatly uh, yeah yeah um yeah which yeah it I don't know where you end up with two bottleneck, too many bottlenecks. I think it's getting, you know, when you're switching from range to range, where you've got, say, two, you know, a set of stages over this side of the hill and the other side of the hill, that creates a little bottleneck. But other yeah. than that, I think the smoothness of that's been run. So I mean, different people are aware of it and they actually go along and move people along if they can. So Yeah, I think when, when putting together squads, um, I like to try and see, so you sort of get to know competitors and some are more experienced than others um, have shot, you know, a dozen events or half a dozen events. So yeah. you'll put them in the squad with the idea that they'll uh, keep it moving mm. um, and, and keep, almost like they... Um, that they sort of hit arrow of the squad and, and they'll sort of go okay I'm going first so you're going to be spotting you're going to be getting ready to go next uh, ratty ratty rah and then they just keep reminding people and unless they get complacent and run nine times and then the rest ooh, is ouch. hey hey is this yeah. yeah anyway uh. yeah it was me preaching to people and I don't even fucking do it <laughs> no you're right though but it's it's um it's not just that; it's 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 helping out the the less experienced shooters as well. Yep. By if, if someone takes charge now, Jim uh, like Tarada were squatted. So um, on Saturday, yourself, Carl, my lovely wife, uh, and me. So we've all shot plenty of these competitions before, so you didn't really have to worry. Someone was always yeah. Uh, I think Phoebe looked after us a lot on the admin. Um, as she does with most things in my life, organises me because um, I'm a mess. And then, um, yeah, and that was good. And now her having not shot a competition in a long time, we generally would, we wouldn't make her go first. No. Uh, unless she sort of said, but just because, you know, it's the new shooter, uh, it's a nice thing to not sort of put them on the spot and they can sort of watch um, yeah. how we do it, albeit she was in a different class anyway. But um, I think on, at Tarada on Saturday, we had an excellent squad, actually. Um I think our cheerleading actually led to your victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. 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 Um, it was factory ammo, Graham. That's what did it. <laughs> factory ammo. Yeah, see, that's my big panic now. I've got no factory ammo left. So I'm, I've actually, um, for the upcoming events, I'm, I've gone and bought some Sierra projectiles. I'm going to try and develop a load. For well, the six five Creedmoor. Interesting segue. What's happening in twenty twenty? So have you know twenty 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 one. No, no. I'm saying in twenty twenty. I mean, how limited have you noticed access to some of the materials, like projectiles, that sort of thing? I keep hearing different things. It's pretty hard to get some stuff. Um, I generally keep a reasonable stock of stuff, yep. so it's taken longer to affect me than it has others. Um. That wasn't my question, but <laughs> but no, definitely. Obviously, it started with um, powder and then yeah. projectiles uh, due to uh, um, gun apocalypse. Yeah, politics in the states and and shipping with uh, the coof. So 
and all that and then but now what the problem now is primers have started to run out um huh. so like when we get the next shipment of powder in january and all the hornaday projectiles there's not going to be any primers for anybody but by the looks of things um i hate to make people panic but i've gone and bought all the ones i can find just to be that guy um <laughs> today I was, I was panicking driving oh, around getting the classic case of don't panic everyone don't hoard and then I do it because if we all do it everything will run out and now you've run everyone out Good well you know as well you know Mark you and I have to keep pretty well um, stocked up on these things yeah um, well, but so yeah fortunately <laughs> due to a retailer <laughs> deciding to no longer sell ammunition I have stocked up on some things so yes um, you're luckier than some that's for sure but um, but yes I've, I've got to develop a a six high cream or load to get me through how tapu um, and then there's a shoot going to be happening in have you seen this in Palmerston Northway no I added you to the group anyway it's the lower north island they need to change their name it's the lower north island field shooting uh, shit what the fuck is it um, it's something like that anyway so the, event, the event's going to be released is it geographically named or like IQ <laughs> I don't know, but oh, they're cool dudes. They come to our events, and I think they just want to. Um, Oops, apologies to them. Sorry. So it's the it's the L N I L R S shoot on the fifth of February. So it's the weekend after How Tapu. It is. There's no acronym in that one, Graham. No, this is a funny thing. When I first started Taranaki Long Range Shooters, the group, it was originally something really long like that. It was. Uh, Taranaki medium and short range field shooters group or something real stupid um, and that lasted about a month and I was like frick this um, let's go to TLRS which is now an international global um, brand as you all know yeah, but, um, yeah I've <laughs> seen people walking through Times Square wearing a TLRS shirt no I wore my t-shirt in Vanuatu when I was there oh there you go I'll, I'll send you a picture um, so they're, they're doing an event on the 5th of Feb um, which could be cool um, so we'll put, yeah um, so I, there's going to be another 100 odd rounds um, needed um, I'm not exactly sure where it is I think it's I think it's around Foxton or somewhere um, I've done a test shoot in the sand country yeah I guess so uh, man or two that's, that's all the info I can find okay um, I think that's going to be released in the next little while I'll share it for them I, I'm not sure how many spots there'll be but so there's yeah so there's Hautapu uh, which is sort of um, right on the boundary of the Wairu army training grounds and then there's this event um and the weekend after and then there's our event at the end of February 26th, 7th 25th, 6th, 7th because we're doing the Friday shoot as well um, yep. yeah so it's going to be busy I'm not sure if I'll get to shoot uh, the Ahatiti event um, with just doing everything else but running around chasing things it's two, like it. two days Graham so, so technically three. Oh yeah true yeah. so I guess the format of that is we're having a a long range challenge on the Friday night for those mm-hmm. who are interested so that's a K and a mile um, sort of a yeah getting something specific to people that have want to stretch out that far so rather than making it a, into the competition thing so and then on Saturday it's back to a, a pretty standard TLRS type shoot yep. and Sunday repeats that that's that um, thing so we had people requesting that we go two days although I think some people meant 
that they shoot you know so the event goes over two days you know one continuous thing but I think practically wise one day is enough for me mm. in terms of yeah. um, I was glad I didn't shoot both days at Tarata in the end I think I was would have been probably a bit I don't know mentally shot by the second day if I'd well you, you couldn't do any better either could you I never will so yeah you're only going to come back disappointed in yourself on the Sunday thinking oh shit I got second <laughs> no I, I think you're right though because now if there's a two day match um, as in Saturday and Sunday so 200 round, rounds over the two days I would shoot it but I don't think New Zealand especially North Island anyway I can't speak for the South yeah. is ready for that yet I don't think it's big enough um Maybe once, obviously, it's growing at an incredible rate. But maybe once there's more sponsorship and and, and stuff like that. But it's it's so much work running one day, let alone two. And facility, um, facilities actually then become a problem. So, um, a wool shed and a long drop no longer cut it to a degree. Probably. Yeah, that's the sort of getting to another level of organisation that we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so and I, I don't think competitors. Oh, I think you'd be lucky to get twenty competitors who'd want to shoot a two day match at the moment up here anyway. If you're lucky, yeah, um, people do balk at the round counts now. Some do, but not, <laughs> yeah. some don't. But yeah, let alone doing two field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Like shooting Toronto Saturday Sunday. Now I did have a plan to keep myself. Um, watered and fed and out of the sun which did actually work both days I come away feeling just fine because um, I've definitely messed that up in the past and sort of by the last few stages I'm sunburnt and dehydrated and lacking energy um, but yeah so I, I've, I've, I've worked on that um, unfortunately my results didn't didn't go any they got worse in some cases but um, yeah I don't think we're ready for that two day yet but I think the, the, the repeating the first day um, well, look, Tarada seemed to work okay. Obviously, it's not our event, but we were there and we, we talked to Simon about it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how we go at RTD. Now, one thing that did happen to Simon was, and we'd never had this issue before because we never run two days, was target damage. So we always lose a few targets, right? But then on the Sunday, you've got to repeat the stages. Yeah. So um, having backups. So yeah, so it's it's not so much the the, the steel gong itself. It's strapping, it's bolts, oh. and it's hangers and waratahs. So oh. I'm currently manufacturing about 50 new hangers, the Mark 17 Mod 2. I'm going to call them. Um, they just they take any um, waratah, but I'm going to have spears. I'm going to have spare straps, bolts. So essentially, we could lose half our targets yeah. stands, and that night we just go and um, quickly put them back together out in the field. So that's something I've preempting and hopefully I'll have all done before end of Feb should do yeah um, and then yeah other than that that's all I can really see is that those getting damaged okay um, yeah and other than that I think we should be okay yeah righto well into I think that's sort of getting towards the uh, a wrap we'll probably definitely aim to catch up again um, yep. in the new year probably do a pre-discussion around how Tapu event I haven't been to so we're yep. keen to learn more about that um, and um, cover off a bit of new gear I guess probably finish on some of the 2D3 work 
Oh yes. Cameras, so this is only new to Taranaki long range shooting, but um, which I'm interested because uh, I've just come across a whole lot of two D three ammo. So, um, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, outdoor sports. Who you guys? Some of you may know. I do test shoot a few of their guns. Work with them quite a lot. Um, so they supply Howard, Sauer, um, Mauser, Ridge, Ridgeline for clothing, uh, Zeiss Optics, uh, Aim Sport, heaps of stuff. GRS. One of the bigger importers in New Zealand. Um, I don't think there's a shop that doesn't deal with them, funnily enough. Um, they asked what I wanted to play with next, and I said I want a fast twist 223 with a reasonable barrel length. So they've sent me a, um, it's a Howard 24 inch um, 223 one twist. So it's the 1500, the short action. So not a mini, it's the short. Yeah. Uh, the new GRS WAG stock. Um, so if you, if you don't know this, Google it. We'll go on Taranaki Long Range Shooting. You'll see some photos because it's sort of my favourite thing at the moment. Super cool. It's sort of a combination of a sort of traditional GRS with an AR four end, AR style four end. Better say that in case Stuart Nash is listening. And also the new GRS bipod, which has just been released, which is a behemoth of a piece of kit. Um, big fancy bipod uh, aim sport suppressor and a one of the new Zeiss um, HD4 yeah, sort of that's the it. Conquest v, V4 I yeah, should say v I've actually got the, pamph- the pamphlet right here um, it's uh, now being European it's MOA um, which is odd and it is second focal plane but that's not the end of the world because of what we're wanting to do with it um, uh, and then so yeah all this cool gear turned up bolted together super excited because it's got it's got a really interesting look about it um, it's quite yeah it's real neat anyway uh, got a bunch of ammo different types uh, turns out the shortage of components and ammo has now reached 223 levels because um, I'm, here I'm thinking I'll just reload with some 75 grain LDMs or, or something yeah. nah can't get any bugger oh well can't get any Lapua can't get any of this and that uh, I buy everything I can none of that works and then a good friend of mine Angus he dropped off some of the Belmont uh, which is a company in Wanganui here in New Zealand they load a, um, a load with a 77 grain Cena from La Pua so it drops off 100 rounds of this very good particular well, we know this even more so now um, shoot a group shoots like a I shoot about four groups sort of ranging from five shots and a half a minute to three quarter so I'm like shit that's good uh, velocity spreads like Oh, like 10 or 15, 15 feet per second so well good enough and with a velocity of the 24 inch barrel or barrel of 2816 average I think <laughs> okay so I'm like cool this will work I validate out 600 at my place piece of piss a little bit of wind pushing me over you know left and right but height's perfect and then we go straight out to your place uh, we set up the one of the thousand meter positions one of them's got a big dirt bank um, first shot just over top of target so I just bring it down um, you know crack the dope a little bit validate it so to speak and then it, we just couldn't miss no, um, a very kind wind generally but uh, yes we had like a super like day a, for it but anyway it's a pretty yeah impressive and yeah the dry to the point dryness we oh, yeah. see all the misses so yes to the point where we thought we were missing yeah because if you get a central hit on the plate it's not moving the plate bugger rule and with the sunny conditions, um, the flash unit, it was flashing, but you can see that on the video now. Yeah. But it's, it's low on battery or something. It was flashing, yeah. It was, it's yeah. just, it's, we just couldn't really see it. But, no. you know, you think you miss, and then sure enough, ding, because if it hit central, it wouldn't uh, swing the plate. No. Um, so we shoot a 2 MOA plate, so 20 inches. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, shivers, it was easy. Um, 
so yeah i think the next mission is maybe 1200 then 1400 then 1600 meters yeah um over maybe the next few weeks once this rain buggers off and the the sun comes back out yeah and we get some dust and no actually a lot of fun a lot of fun and now we went and checked the target afterwards and we actually picked up about half a dozen projectiles that had basically hit the dirt and they were pretty much undeformed Mm. apart from the rifling marks on them that was it so so we're shooting also with a um just, just so if people are interested, a Ruger is an American ranch. Yeah, is that what they're? You're the Ruger expert. Um, so that's an 18 inch or 20 no, no, inch. No, they're 20 or 22. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was so you know what would be considered a um, uh, a budget two to three. I'm not bagging them. They just they're like nine hundred thousand um, dollars. Pretty straightforward, and we just guessed some dope based off um, his hundred meter zero and roughly off my dope. And I think it took him five, six shots to get on, and then he was I think just it's the Ruger, it. Ruger American Predator is what it is. Predator, yeah. It's the, um, the ranch one is the shorter barrel. Oh, yeah. Flat okay. dark earth. Oh, yep. yeah, a 16-inch barrel. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he was running, so this is just like a little bunny goat gun. Um, Two-stage two trigger, though. Good, you know, for... Yep, oh, good trigger. Um, but he's just running one of the, you don't see much of them anymore. It's the Bushnell AR optics. They're sort of obviously styled for the AR-15. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, so they're, they're dialable, and it, it dialed. Um yeah, we once again we had no dope, so we had to make that up on the fly. But once we we figured it out, um, man, it was pretty good actually. To be honest, um, mm. you know, for say so that whole setup is probably you're looking at thirteen hundred bucks, twelve hundred bucks, yep. and it's um, and I, oh, oh sorry, and a suppressor, but and affordable to shoot too. And affordable to shoot. This this ammo, Hence albeit Bel- Belmont isn't loading any at the moment. No. They tell me they're going to be. Going um, to, yeah later on next year um, they are suffering the same component shortages as everyone yeah um, it's like if you buy in like a thousand at a time it's like 70 cents a round um, albeit there is some concern now that with all the stuff I'm putting on the internet they'll put the price up and start calling it match grade but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know like we so we, we blazed maybe shit 60 rounds of 223 over the afternoon yeah it's like 50 bucks of ammo yeah. how good is that you know um, and yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, and we also shot the Swiss K31, which is a sort of World War II era Swiss service rifle, iron sights. Um, straight, straight pull. Straight pull, very, very cool, very nice guns. Um, uh, Angus and I managed to get a couple hits each. Um, we probably launched about 30 rounds all up between us. At 1,000 um, metres, yeah. In 1,000 metres with the uh, iron sights. And now these sites are not ideal for long range not an aperture or nothing um, no. and when you get behind them the target shrinks even smaller so you're sort of shooting at like a pinhead little orange pinhead essentially um, but again we're not here to talk about that too much we can talk about that another time but that was fun yep um, yep it was a good day um, but the, you'll see we'll, we'll probably might even do a whole episode about 2 3 coming up once we push it out to a mile if, if we can get there that is yeah we'll get that 1400 done and see how we go so yeah maybe we do a um, a Valkyrie 2 do 3 sort of thing <laughs> oh yes I'll... no no well, you, the Valkyrie's accurate enough no no I'll drag, got, I'll drag it it's out. got a big enough scope I, um, I need to it can dial far enough so yeah yeah and you've got the, the 88s um, it's a 20, yeah, we, 20 in the rail so yeah, I think that'd be a cool comparison because two to three and fifty-five grain is average, right, for most things. But once you get these heavy bullets going reasonable speed, it's yeah. pretty good. So um, the Valkyrie is going to definitely be better. Um, I was looking at the local gun shop the other day, and um, 
yeah, I did, I was surprised. I was looking at all the thirty threes, and virtually all of them are still one and twelve. Yeah, twist. Yeah. So, so my my yeah, other two D three is one and twelve. They have and one, never gets used. One one and eight twist one down the bottom somewhere. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think because I, I shot some one and uh, sorry sorry the, some fifty five grain through this uh, this Howard setup just to zero it just not wanting to yeah. blaze away all the other ammo yeah uh, so it was Fioki I used to buy it from Farmlands when that was still a thing yeah um, and like it shot like a bloody ten cent piece just a three shot group that um like was accurate so it's still uh, it's not over spinning the fifty fives I don't think it is anyway um I didn't have any pop on me or anything so. If I was buying a two to three now, even for pest field use, I'd go one and eight to give myself the option of um, potentially using heavy projectiles if need ever arises, rather than going one and twelve and never being able to do it. Um, All right. Yeah. No, it's good. Right. We'll um, see you on the other side in January, and uh, we will cover off some more topics. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. See ya. Have a good uh, Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas.